This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, top of the day to all of you. And I hope that this, as this year has progressed, that you have come up with some awesome ideas. Your books are coming alive. You're ready to market. Um, and how about creating maybe some I- other ideas? Maybe have you thought about a trade show, taking your expertise to another level? Welcome to this week's podcast for your author success with the Author You, your guide to book publishing show. And as you listen in, you will get a variety of ahas, insights, tips, and how-tos for you your authoring, your book publishing, everything else with us today is the awesome, you haven't met him before on the show. Well, actually, I think you have. We've had a long time ago, so it's time to come back, Greg Jameson. And Greg is, um, he's really at the forefront of digital commerce. That's why I mentioned trade shows. Since the start, and he brings over 30 years of web development and e-commerce mastery. He's often referred to as one of the internet pioneers. He's the number one best-selling author of multiple books. He's a consultant. He speaks at conferences. And his goal, like mine is, is to make you successful. He, though, takes the internet. He has awards for International Developer of the Year, Colorado Small Business uh, of the Year, and he's listed in the Inc. 500 of the fastest-growing companies in the in America. His most recent endeavor is helping his clients be more successful online by producing trade shows, which is what we're going to talk about today. Hey, Greg, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Judith. After an introduction like that, I'm not sure what to make of the person that you're talking about. I'm well, happy to be hey, here. <laughs> hey, you can put your bike on the floor. You can do tap dancing if you want. How's that There sound? we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. And everyone, if you would like to follow Greg on Twitter, his handle is WebStoresLTD. With that said, why trade shows, Greg? Why, why should authors think about trade shows and how do they start converting what they're doing into that format? You know, the reality is, is that trade shows have always been a fantastic way to get in front of new audiences. Uh, Certainly live trade shows uh, have been a great way to meet people, and Mm -hmm. virtual trade shows are really no different. So if you're looking to get in front of new audiences, uh, events are the way to do it, whether you're speaking to a, a group of people or you have a table at the back of the room where you're selling your books or you simply have a booth in an exhibit hall it's one of the best ways to get in front of a large number of people that you otherwise would not be in front of. Mm-hmm. 
Well, with that, with that said, that I will say that I have always told speakers um, that whatever conference you're speaking at, the number one place, besides making a great presentation and connecting with the attendees, is to get your tush into the trade show, the exhibit hall, and you work it. You walk it. You meet people. You can find potential sponsors there yourself. Uh, and, and you never know. Plus, you get some great goodies sometimes. Great swag. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, my favorite trade show is I was speaking in New Orleans. And um, when they opened the door, it was a huge, it was a healthcare conference, uh, Greg. And they, as everyone walked in, they gave us an apron, you know, like for the kitchen, an apron. Mm-hmm. It, it had big pockets on it. The pockets was to collect stuff in. And they also had these food stations that you could, you know, drop an apple in or, you know, a bag of chips or who knows what you want to drop under these things. But it, it, I still have that apron. Okay, so we're talking 20 plus years ago. I still have that apron. I still use it. I still have fond memories of the event. Now, that a trade show can leave an impact. And I think that's going to be kind of one of the things you want to hit on. Yeah, it absolutely can. You saying that, I've actually got an umbrella for a trade show that I went to in San Francisco probably mm-hmm. 25 years ago now, and mm-hmm. I still use it as well. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, I get that. The, the, the one thing that is going to be different here, obviously, as we talk about virtual trade shows, is that kind of swag that you get uh, duplicating that in a virtual environment, I was talking to a buddy of mine recently and telling him what I was doing, and he was like, well, how do you replicate the bowl of Hershey's Kisses in the booth? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, milk chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, okay, so how do you, or maybe we're going to get into that, but so how do you duplicate some of the swag that people love to take away? You know, how then... Well, you know, the big thing is is that you kind of have to think a little bit differently when it comes to virtual because the swag uh, typically is going to be virtual as well. You aren't going to be shipping out uh, the free T-shirt to somebody, uh, generally speaking, uh, for coming by your booth. Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to offer them some type of a digital uh, good that they can take with them, and that's their incentive for coming into your virtual booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does make it a little bit more challenging for you because you have to think, can I display on my booth that's really going to entice people to come over and talk to me and them wanting to take that uh, free piece of swag with them and still be using it 20 years later. So is it, would one of the things maybe that the virtual, the virtual presenter um, or vendor, maybe we should say vendor because you're a vendor here in a trade show um, if you're participating, but you're also talking about creating your own because we have two different animals. We have two different tracks we can go down. Is that not true? That is true. Okay, so if let's let me just do the vendor side of first. If if I'm a vendor in 
the publishing summit or whatever it is. I would be something to do with authoring or publishing. That if I'm in there, I've got to figure out a way to drive people, in my opinion, it would be great to download something, but actually where I can snag their email address. That's what I would be after. It is, uh, it, it is, and at the same time it isn't. A really good virtual trade show will know who all the attendees are, and it will track every move that the attendee makes. So let's say that you are attending a virtual trade show, you've registered for the trade show, and you start moving around from one uh, vendor's booth to another. Uh, the virtual trade show software should know that you went and you visited this particular author's booth. And therefore, at the end of the show, the uh, trade show coordinator should be able to give you a report saying that Judith visited the booth mm -hmm. and stayed for five minutes. Uh, while she was there, she downloaded your brochure, she uh, watched your video, she had a live chat with you, uh, any action that you took, and be able to give that to the vendor along with uh, your email address and or phone number. So the the bigger thing is how do I really attract those people to uh, take a look at my booth and stay there uh, when they are participating in a virtual show? All right. So that means, I mean, I've been around the merry-go-round here. That means there's got to be a sophisticated software or tracking mechanism that will say what each person did is that would that be correct that's absolutely correct and so that that's certainly one of the things that we've been working on as we've been producing trade shows is how do we actually make sure that that tracking occurs and what incentives can we provide to the attendees to be sure to stop by everybody's booth and to actually uh, take some of these actions that we talked about. And one of the things that we do is we award points to an individual for taking these different actions. And the points might be different. If they have a live conversation with me, uh, maybe they get 10 points. If they just go by the booth and grab a piece of literature, maybe they only get one point. But they collect points along the way, and based upon the number of points that they collect, then we award door prizes uh, for the person that has collected a certain number of points or the most points. Mm -hmm. and, and so what would be um, the idea of, of a, a sample door prize then? Would it be typically what you would see online where you would then mail, snail mail something to them, or is there gift carding, or what are we thinking of? It really is industry uh, dependent upon what would happen. So, for example, uh, we're working on uh, an event for small weddings, and small weddings are typically 50 people or less, and there are certain venues that are out there trying to attract brides-to-be to use their venues. So maybe they give a one-night stay as uh, a door prize, as an example on that. Uh, on 
another type of trade show as opposed to uh, giving away the product or services that they offer. Maybe they're just doing the thing of, uh, you know, you get a free iPod or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out... You will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author U is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author U, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author U today at AuthorU.org. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is Greg Jamison. And Greg has been one of those internet pioneers that kind of saw things before the rest of us did in many ways. And one of the things that the... Uh, pandemic brought about so many of us who do consulting, who do speaking, who do conferences, either we are creating them, we're participating in them, we attend them, is that all came slam shut uh, in early 2020. And Greg, as a visionary, said, okay, well, how can I take my tips, my strategies, my and, and move forward? And the virtual world was certainly the way to expand on that, and he aggressively did that. So that's I, I'm I'm going to guess that the pandemic was the catapult that really threw you full blown into this. Is that right, Greg? Yeah, it really was. You know what happened is that uh, shortly after the pandemic occurred, the Denver Merchandise Mart mm-hmm. shut down permanently, uh, blaming Whoa. the pandemic for uh, that happening. Now, in reality, uh, they had been struggling to begin with, but uh, 
they had their kind of final big show out there in February. Uh-huh. And they, I went around and I talked to a bunch of the exhibitors there, and they were all in a, a panic because they didn't uh-huh. really see it coming. And they were like, hey, we're without a home. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Uh-huh. And after talking to about the fifth or sixth person, I was like, you know, I could solve this problem. Uh, because what they really needed, obviously, was to be able to showcase their goods uh, in a virtual environment. Uh, the pandemic was clearly canceling events left and right, and people still needed to be able to sell their products and services. So virtual events seemed to make a whole lot of sense. Now, the interesting part is that virtual events were already growing in popularity prior to the pandemic. It was a $78 billion industry in 2019. But then the pandemic hit, and it had a 1,000% growth rate in 2020. So obviously, virtual events are at least a partial solution to the fact that the meetings and event industry came crashing down in 2020. Yeah, they did. Well, they did. Certainly. I mean, we, we canceled, you know, we had several things that we, physical events we had to cancel. Um, and then by the end of the year, 2020, I converted. And it takes a lot of work to do this conversion, everyone. Um, you know, when you're doing a live two-day event, how do you get it into a conversion factor online? You're not going to be going from eight to five, let me tell you. It's, there are so many different tips and tricks that you have to do to bring involved, to get people there, to keep them engaged. So is this something that you do with people, Greg, that to show them how to do that engagement factor, how to do the promotion, how to, to, to do the transition? It is. And there's... Oh. Like you said, there's a lot involved in it mm-hmm. because uh, a virtual event, you know, if you if you go to a live event, as we all know, one of the great things about it is that you get to see people, you get to network with them, you get to rub shoulders with them, uh, you run into them in the hallways uh, just kind of randomly, and that doesn't really happen with a virtual event. So you have to say, what are the real advantages of a virtual event uh, over a live event, and how can I make those advantages be so much stronger and so much better for someone that they really like the virtual format, even if it's different than what they have been experiencing by going to in-person events? Mm-hmm. Well, my people always said that when I did it, God, we loved this. We had a great time. It's like we had we had more time almost one-on-one because we could ask you questions as we went along versus, you know, the, the different module type of things that we do. Or if we're doing a keynote, well, it, we changed that world. All right. So in, in your experience, Greg, if you had a column, I love to do things with a yellow pad and I put pro on one side and con on the other side. Okay. Can can we kind of do a laundry list of pros and cons? <laughs> sure. All right. Let's try that. Okay. Right. Okay. So uh, the pros are that virtual events are super flexible. Uh, they can really be tailored to 
any type of business model that you want. They are cost effective because you don't have to rent out a venue, you don't have to travel, you don't have to pay for hotel expenses, uh, you don't have to pay for venue insurance, uh, food and drink, all these things. They're much more cost effective than an in-person event. They are highly scalable. You can basically add or delete the number of vendors as you need to, uh, making it so that you can accommodate you know, thousands more vendors and or attendees than you might if you had a physical location. They're actually, uh, and, and you allude, alluded to this a little bit, they're actually um, more engaging in some ways. 30% of people are more likely to speak to a person in a virtual booth than they are in a live booth, uh, probably because they're hesitant to approach somebody in a booth Maybe they're already busy, whatever. Maybe they just enjoy anonymity, whatever it is. Uh, but they can be more engaging. They're environmentally friendly because there's no travel involved. There's no printing involved. Uh, they are reliable. You don't have to cancel a virtual event because of weather or a pandemic. They give you the opportunity to get comprehensive analytics. Uh, we talked a little bit about this. You know, somebody comes to your booth, what actions did they take when they were there? How long did they stay at your booth? Uh, and so forth. Uh, the length of time can be uh, significantly greater. Typically, when we're putting on a virtual event, we'll hold the live event for one or two days over a weekend, just like we would an in-person event, but then we'll leave the recordings up, we'll leave the booths up for 30, 60, 90 days afterwards, which gives you a lot greater exposure, and obviously uh, you can be getting people uh, to not only come there over an extended period of time, you can have an extended attendee base because people don't have to travel. So now all of a sudden, what may previously have been a local show or a regional show can be a national or even an international show in terms mm -hmm. of the attendees. Mm -hmm. The cons, yep. of course, we talked about. I can't come up and give you a hug. <laughs> and and that, that is really the, the single biggest disadvantage is that person-to-person -person contact. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think another huge advantage is that we've all, we've all experienced that. Some of the most amazing insights come out of, get out along in the hallway, out of the room, on the side. The way we've sat down for a cup of coffee or tea or gone and had lunch or sat at a dinner table, all of a sudden something comes up. That's the that's the physical side. Those are huge pluses. Always have been huge pluses to me that I've come and to it. And that's something that we are trying to replicate on the virtual side as well. Typically on our floor plans, we'll have a networking area where people can go there and just drop in and chat with people who they may or may not know. But you're right, it's not the same, uh, no matter how hard we're trying. And clearly over uh, a period of time, whatever that period might be, mm -hmm. uh, software will continue to evolve and it may become better and better, 
but uh, as it stands today, I, I, I still want to sit down at the uh, tables in the, mm-hmm. the the snack area and just chat with people who I have never met before. Mm-hmm. Or catch up with someone that you know really well, but your time constraints just don't allow that. Let's catch up. Absolutely. Um, really, really catch up. I mean, I, I, to me, that's always been the biggest. Um, the other thing is that uh, I'll, I'll just, this is the con, I think, for virtual events. Um, my experience is, and this is where you have to, all of you who are listening in, you need to understand that if you're going to do a virtual event and be the one who is leading it, that you have got to keep these people so engaged that they are now on their cell phone. They are not uh, putting up another duplicate computer working on. They're not going through their mail. And you know, Greg, that does happen. It absolutely does. And, you know, I think it happens actually in live events, too. I've seen people attending a keynote presentation, and they're sitting there flipping through Facebook on their cell phone instead of listening to the presenter. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it happens... uh, Regardless, but I think that the distraction factor where you, you at least think that the other person can't see what you're doing uh, is a greater temptation with the virtual event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's an issue at times, although I've never seen anyone open up their mail in a keynote address, <laughs> which I have. <laughs> Well, they're on their phone. You're not sure what they're doing on their phone. <laughs> okay, well, I'm talking about, you know, the envelope and sliding open. Yeah, you well, don't yeah, know. Well, yeah, that's true. And it's, and it, <laughs> it, is, it is a true challenge um, in there. So that what you're saying is that there's some real, there's some real perks to virtual events and putting them together. Um, the, the, and, there absolutely are some perks. Like I said, it's a different type of an e- event, but there are some advantages to it. Uh, The single biggest one clearly is the analytics and tracking. Well, and the cost. And the cost. cost. Yeah, Yeah. those are two huge ones. And reasons enough why I think that virtual events are not going away even after the pandemic subsides. Um, Mm -hmm. It will be another option for people to be able to uh, sell and market their goods and services. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think that's a plus. I think the whole clue comes back, and we're we're coming up to our next break. But I, I'd love to have you when we come back, really dig down a little bit into. So let's say I'm a participant, or um, as a speaker, there's one side, but there's also this this vendor side. Um, that that uh, maybe maybe it's some of the things that we need to look at in evaluating if we should participate. Can you get into that? I mean, I would know the questions really to ask um, as a vendor if I was into that. And and also the questions you should be asking yourself if you're going to create your own trade shell. There's probably some key essential things that you have a checklist that you go through with people when you're working with them. Would that be true? Let's talk about that. All right, let me come back. We'll be right back. It's Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing. With me is Greg Jameson, and we're talking trade shows. All 
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, this show really is all about should you participate in a virtual trade show? Should you think about doing one yourself based on your expertise and and taking it out? And it could be for your fans, your followers. It could be you might be grouping in a whole bunch of other people. It could be um, involved. It could be just a one man or one woman show and you're the show. Um, But maybe you want to get exhibitors involved in it. It could be a co-op of some sort. Greg, help me out. What are some of the other variables that we could be doing? Well, you know, when you talk about that, it's that's actually one of the things that's really exciting to me because I am currently working with two individuals, you know both of them, uh, in two different industries, and they are not event planners. They're not, they have not put on trade shows as we think about them in the past, but instead they have a particular niche. Uh, One of them, his niche is small weddings. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's an an author. He wrote a book, Big Weddings Suck. And he works with a number of different venues uh, across the country where people want to go and have a small, intimate wedding. And so he promotes these different places. They might be an Airbnb. They might be a venue uh, in downtown Denver. It might be uh, some secluded cabin someplace. But he works with these different vendors. And so I approached him and said, hey, have you ever thought about doing a virtual event? And one thing led to another, and we're now producing uh, jointly an event for uh, a small wedding expo. And all of these different vendors that he was promoting to people on his site about small weddings can now be vendors in this trade show. 
So even though he wasn't an event producer to begin with, uh, now he is because we have this trade show that we're putting together uh, virtually where all of these different venues from all over the country can participate as an exhibitor at his event. The other person is a travel agent. Uh, and you might be going, well, how's a travel agent? Why would he have a trade show? But what he's done is he's put together what's called the Small Ship Cruising Expo. And he has approached all of these cruise lines that have small ships. They might be river ships. They might be adventure ships. They might be sailing ships, uh, different types of uh, ships that are not the big mega cruising lines. And he's put together an event where each of these people are exhibitors at the Small Ship Cruising Expo. And the thing that's really uh, great for both of these is that they don't just have a booth. That uh, They do have a booth, and you can click on the booth. We've got a floor plan for them. You can click on their booth, and you can uh, see what they have to offer. You can talk in real time to the person that's staffing the booth. But they also have a conference associated with them. So anybody that is an exhibitor also gets to present at the conference. In the case of the cruise lines, maybe they're going to get up there and talk for 20 minutes about where their cruises go, what types of things you can experience on the cruise. They'll show a video of some of the previous cruises. And it's a great way for them to get in front of the audience. And obviously we record all of that in addition to letting them present live at a specific time. So you could have almost any expertise and be, hmm, I wonder if I could create a trade show. And it's an awesome opportunity for you to really expand your horizons as an expert in your field by being the person that has pulled together a whole bunch of other experts to create a virtual trade show. Hmm. Well, I, that actually for both of those, i.e. I wedding, I have seen so much going on um, for weddings virtually. Actually, for years and years, people have been shopping <laughs> for virtually um, for weddings. And that it seems to me that they're out that they've, you know, I do the publishing at sea cruise every winter and that we start looking at ships online. We start that way because you don't have time to go visit a whole bunch of ships in person unless you're on it. Um, and I, you know, for me, because I'm doing conferences, I've got to see what space I have available to do a workshop in. It's one of the first things. And so I'm looking to see if they even have it. So and some cruise lines, for example, have specifically dedicated conference rooms for conferences on board. So Yeah, absolutely. And I think that any time that you're looking at something that is a service and or an experience, that that makes all the sense in the world for that to be a virtual event uh, because you can't experience going on a cruise until you go on a cruise. So really the best you can it, do yeah. is to 
to gather this information ahead of time. You can't experience uh, getting married at a particular place uh, until it actually happens. So you sit there and you look at these different venues and so forth. Uh, you know, you could you go out and visit 30 different venues before you decided which one you wanted to do? Yeah, you could, but that's really time-consuming and expensive. So a virtual type of trade show makes a lot of sense for anything mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. like I said, a service or uh, an experience. Well, not to mention it's grueling um, in and out of cars or up stairways or whoever. And you're going back to your example of one of your clients you're working with right now on his virtual wedding and the elopement side is that some of these elopement places are way out there. <laughs> they are way out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, yep. and you probably don't want to do all the trekking um, and, until you narrow it down and you go from 30 to 5 real quick. Now we are going to do the deep dive. So I think that's called shopping. That would be shopping. And and going into it and then make see what the the real experience is. Now, if it's going to be virtual the whole time, that's one thing. But I think in both the cases with the, these two clients you're mentioning of yours, Greg, is that they are pitching out a physical experience. It, but you will take your first preliminary steps virtually to make a decision if you want to explore it more. Would that be correct? That that's absolutely correct. And and obviously. One of the great things about having an event around these things as opposed to just going out to 20 or 30 different websites on your own is that the people are going to be staffing their booths and you can mm-hmm. have this one-on-one interaction with them, ask them questions, and really help you with that decision-making as opposed to just uh, Googling everything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Googling is set stage. And then you sometimes can get caught with a robot from hell. And I could see someone very easily virtually saying, hey, let's talk more. I am going to send you a Zoom link or a link and we will talk live right now and I'll walk you around my booth um, and some of the things that might be a right fit for you. I see that easily happening. It it can and it does. The other thing that's actually uh, really a great feature that we've built into the system that we use is you mentioned shopping every single vendor can basically have their own shop on the virtual event so let's say that we have a wedding venue and we offer five different packages Uh, we can actually put that up as an e-commerce shop inside of the virtual event so that someone can go in there. Once they've made their decision, they can actually purchase things right there. And that's, if you think about that and expand it out to something else, uh, let's say that we're doing an author event and every author has a booth. They could also, especially ones that have multiple books, they could be selling their books online inside of the virtual event. And that's the way to do it. I'm telling you, it's the way to do it. I think I think this is a good thing. I've got to figure out how to use it for me. 
Um, and and really some of the things that I could turn into if I wanted to do a summit. I know, for example, Greg, there are other publishing summits out there and they are a lot of work. Uh, they are a lot of work. And I just think, do I have it in my bandwidth? So let's talk about bandwidths on on these kind of things. How much time? How much time do you forewarn clients saying you need to dedicate to do the setup? How about when it's actually live, what's involved in that past? And then when it's post, what should you be doing? How's that for a question? Well, one of the things that we try to do is make it as simple as possible for the vendors. So if somebody is co-producing a show with me, such as the small wedding or the small ship cruising, mm-hmm. uh, those people are going to be putting in a fair amount of time, uh, as am I. Uh, we Because we're setting things up basically mm-hmm. for all of the exhibitors. Now, the exhibitor does have to come up with some things to make it functional for them. They need to supply videos that they're going to be showing in their booth. They need to supply graphics that they're going to be showing in their booth. They need to write some copy, uh, both a kind of short welcome uh, script as well as a longer description of what uh, products and services they're offering. They need to obviously supply their logo. Uh, they need to uh, come up with their presentation that they're going to be doing in the conference area, any PowerPoints that they uh, are going to be doing. And so all of that preparation time is probably equal to preparing for doing an in-person event. Uh, mm-hmm. it, there's still a lot of prep time involved mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as putting that together into their virtual booth, putting the logistics together of the conference and so forth. Like I said, myself and the people that uh, we partner with to put on these shows, uh, we try to take on the, the bulk of that. And it will typically uh, take at least three months to put together Uh a viable show from the time that we say, yeah, let's do it, to the time that the show is going to go live. And we've collected all the vendors, collected all their information. Perfect. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll be back with more information. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. 
or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success, you want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and easing at thebookshepherd.com. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All righty, so here we are, and in in the you know the final segment, and there I think the important question to ask Greg Jamison is, you're an author, is a virtual trade show in your midst? What are the questions you should be asking yourself, Greg, to see if this is something that would be a fit? Well, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier from kind of two standpoints. One is, should I be an exhibitor at one of these events? Should I be actively going out trying to find an event where I can be promoting my books, perhaps doing a presentation on my book? And if that's the case, the answer is a clear yes. Every author ought to be doing that. You need to be able to, uh, just as you would with an in-person event, you want to be in front of as many people as possible in order to get the word out there about your book. So as an exhibitor, you absolutely ought to be doing that. If somebody comes up with a trade show and it fits what you have been writing about, then you should absolutely be an exhibitor. Now, the other question here is, as an author, should I be putting on my own virtual event? And there's really... Uh, kind of two things that happen here. One is, is you could be putting on a virtual event that is a one-person event. Uh, you're going to go out there. You're going to talk about your book. You're going to let people ask you questions afterwards and then purchase your book if you are selling services as a result of your book because you're an expert in the field. Uh, then you setting up appointments with clients afterwards and so forth. That's something that's pretty easy to do. 
that's really more like a webinar than a trade mm-hmm. show, but it is a type of virtual event that, I, again, I think most authors ought to be doing. Now, a true trade show type of an event, let's say that you are an author about uh, health and fitness, and you've written a book on health and fitness, and after listening to this episode, you're sitting there thinking, wow, should I be doing a trade show on health and fitness, and I could be getting in all these different doctors to uh, present at the conference, and I could be getting other authors, maybe somebody who's written about arthritis to have a booth, and maybe somebody else who's written about diabetes to have a booth, and so on, and uh, put together a health and fitness type of exhibition. And the answer is, you know, as we talked about with small weddings and small ship cruising, maybe so. Uh, That would certainly establish you as the true expert in the field because you're the one that is now uh, co-producing this event and rubbing shoulders with all of the other experts in the field. And that's the situation where it's going to take you uh, two or three months to put together as opposed to, hey, let's just put together a webinar and get this thing up next week. Mm-hmm. Which is which is what a lot of people, uh, and they, they wing it. And they wing it. I'm going to go back to when I did my, and it wasn't a trade show, but when I did a conversion for making my two-day, full two-day unplugged event into a two-half-day event. So you're talking about cutting, 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 cutting. But I will tell you, it took me almost a month to do all the rewrites, to do all the new slides, to do all the stuff I had to do to support that. So when you say start planning three months out, three months out is not too short. No, it it absolutely is not. And uh, there are some things that... You know, if you're putting on a live event, uh, just if for no other reason than acquiring the venue, it may be that you're out a year or even two years, depending upon when you can get Mm -hmm. the venue. Uh, And there are certain things that you need to do all along the line. So if you Mm -hmm. could, if it takes you a year to put together an in-person event, uh, then figure that you know, maybe even want to do something a year from now virtually and really pull it off and, and make it something significant as opposed to, like I said, just another webinar. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And here's something else I've noticed. I'll just share with all of you. We have we do have a live event, the Extravaganza. The author Extravaganza is going to be October 1st and 2nd this year here in Denver. And I just got through with all the deposits and all the stuff. And this is something totally new, Greg. They, I have to put deposits down on the food, on the on the hotel rooms we've reserved, even, and then the event rooms. I have never had to do all three. It's just kind of like, okay, you're going to be there. We'll do this, and we get it all sorted out. This is the first time. Um, it's like, okay, we're going to start gathering money again. Um, so that was interesting. Well, the hospitality industry got hit the hardest uh, during the pandemic, and they probably 
need your money to make sure that that they're still going to be able to provide you the services that they're saying they're going to. Uh, that is the truth. <laughs> now, the other thing you and I were talking about is how long should an event be? And quite mm-hmm. honestly, I think that if you're truly doing a trade show event, bare minimum, it needs to be a full day. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go to a live event and you think of a trade show, frequently a trade show will be somewhere between uh, two days uh, and an entire mm-hmm. week, depending upon how big the show is. How, yeah, how big. That's a how big. That's a big one for a week. Big. Yeah, but if you're like going to one of the major shows in Las Vegas or something, those shows will typically run a week. Uh And since a virtual show is scalable, maybe all of a sudden you were dealing with uh, several hundred vendors and you want to have this thing be where people can go in there and interact with the vendors, and it's going to take them uh, two or three days to get through all the different vendors that they actually want to uh, have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. But the great thing here about a virtual show is that you can leave the show up after the live event has happened. And you can leave that up for, like I said, 30, 60, 90 days. You can leave it up for a whole year if you wanted to. And people then, a month later, they discover your show they come in there and they want to have a conversation with somebody. Well, you're not going to have the live conversation at the show. You're not going to be uh, seeing the uh, conference presentations live. They're going to be recorded at that point, but you can still have a button on there to schedule a time with the vendor so that you can go back in and, and talk to them. And it's a real advantage for the vendors because now this trade show isn't just a two or three day event. It's a two or three month event mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and someone can still come in there and buy your products and services at a later date. So for the vendor, they have the opportunity for it tr- truly an increased brand awareness because it, if there's a stick factor here. Versus in the in-person, it's whatever, you know, usually the swag they give out or something or the follow-up that the vendor does with you if they have your name and contact, which they should be following up. Um, But so you have that sticky of, of it's hanging up because you've left it out there. Now, the smart person should also do is let people know it's there. Go get it. There's fabulous information, and I would be, for, for me, I would be highlighting certain vendors and say, hey, if you thought about doing blah, 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 have you ever thought and got about getting married in the Rockies, get 10 awesome places that few people know about, you know, something like that. I would be doing cross-promotion as the promoter in the first place. Yeah, and what you're saying there is so important, whether it's an in-person event or a virtual event, as mm-hmm. a vendor you need to be promoting that event. You can't just rely on the show producer to go out there and advertise the event. (laughs) You want to be promoting the fact that you're going to be at this event and that you've got these specials going on if somebody goes and visits you at that event. 
Mm -hmm. That's so important. And then when the show's over, whatever leads you've collected, this is something that absolutely astonishes me that people will spend all this money to go to a trade show and then they never follow up with their leads. Once the show is over, you have to get out there. You have to start sending them emails. You have to call them and you have to actually work the leads that you got at the show. Exactly. You know, Greg, after, you know, when I do my live events and I have exhibitors and vendors, I give them everybody, every attendee's name and email. Every, I always, that's always been my policy. You pay to be here, to show up. I will help support you on your other side too. All right. With that, do you have a closing thought in one minute? A closing thought. How's that? (laughs) The closing thought is that getting back to the swag and how you still have your apron and I still have my umbrella. I do. I do. (laughs) Let's do something digitally that you're going to give them something of enough value that 20 years later, they're going to say, I still use this, even though it's digital. Maybe it's a software, maybe it's an app. Uh, We know the world changes quicker than that today, but let's make it something of significant enough value that people are actually going to come to your booth and say, I want that. That's exactly right. All right, with that... Greg Jameson, thank you so much for um, being with us this past hour. Your website is what? Webstoresltd.com. Webstoreslimited.com. And if you go to webstoreslimited.com slash author you, then you can get a free budget for putting together a virtual event. And is that is it you or Y-O-U? Exactly the way you spell it. Just the you. Just the you. All right, everyone. We'll be with you next week. Remember, words always matter. You're welcome. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bry.